and welcome to the latest episode of the Interchange podcast, produced in association with Arcadis and hosted by me, Io Abbas. Today, my guest is Andy Clark, who is the Director for Integrated Transport at Costain. He is responsible for creating multimodal transport solutions through cross-sector collaboration so that we form better connected communities. Each episode of this podcast looks at how we can make integrated transport delivery happen. In this interview with Andy, he believes that our starting point has to be from a place of understanding what our clients' biggest concerns are. It was a fascinating discussion that I hope you enjoy listening to as much as I did. Enjoy. Hi, Andy. Thanks so much for coming onto the show. Can you introduce yourself and your role at Costain? Oh, hi. I'm Andy Clark. I'm the Director for Integrated Transport. And uh, what does that entail? Um, so I cover sort of all of aviation and lo- local and devolved authorities, combined authorities, and looking at how we actually integrate our transportation networks um, for to improve the uh, customer experience and the customer journey. So in your role and to you personally, what does integrated transport infrastructure mean to you? And why do you think it's important? Okay, so, um, well, for me, I, I mean, I believe passionately that uh, if we adopt a, a holistic systems approach uh, to the development of an integrated, connected, multimodal network, we can drive a positive change for society. Um, and it's, that's in- essential for improving people's lives. I mean, why does um, integrated transport matter to cost gain? Well, infrastructure is experiencing unprecedented change, especially since the uh, pandemic. Uh, yeah. we've, got a, we've got a growing population, uh, the climate change, um, and economic and uh, environmental resilience, um, political pressures are all sort of um, putting in strain on infrastructure and stresses on the way we've used to um, the operating model of infrastructure. So we can't simply just carry on doing what we've always done. We've got to, we've got to look, think differently. And do you, are you finding that everybody's being more open to thinking differently post kind of pandemic and where we are now? I do. And I think you know, the Interchange um, conference is fantastic at actually uh, bringing people together to start the conversation and think about multimodal transport. And, and let's move away from that, that siloed, I'm looking at this, this mode to actually, what, how does everything connect? Um, let's look at the passenger experience from, from A to B, not just mm. the, the, the leg in between, um, but actually where, where does their journey start? Where do they, where do they finish? And, and uh, how do we get people out of cars? which do, do go from A to B from you know, where they want to go yeah. uh, and to actually look at how does we get a public transportation network that, that everyone can use. So what kind of enablers and blockers do you see to kind of making this kind of integrated transport network actually happen? I think folks on the positive, I think we need just the deeper collaboration um, across sector. Uh, okay. And I think that's where things like interchange work really well. And, and we've got to have then a mindset, a willingness to embrace change. Um, and we've got to look at adopting new technologies. And when I say new, new technology, it's it's not all technology for technology's sake, but actually what what technology is out there to use. And if and let's try all new things. Let's just do the same what we've always done. And and if things don't work, we we stop uh, and we we learn quickly, fail fast, as some some people call it, and move yeah. on to um, uh, the next thing. But we've got to we've got to challenge the norms of the way we think around our infrastructure. And 
are, are people open to being challenged in this sector? Because I know it traditionally, it's quite traditional, really, isn't it? There are lots of like-minded people who really want to change. Um, I think for me, it's understanding, well, why is the system set up? And safety has got to be paramount on any transportation system. So, um, you know, and there's, and there's been decades of um, standards and the way uh, uh, methodologies put in place to protect the traveling public and passenger uh, and to make sure that we have a safe, reliable transportation network. And that's critical that we don't undo all that, but we just look at, okay, so let's look at then how do we come together to, to look at, take a systems approach to the way we design, the way we plan, the way we, the way we model our transportation networks to, yeah. to help, um, you know, join the dots between the different, um, uh, the different infrastructure modes. But I love where you're coming from, from starting from the safety perspective. And that's really important. I've not, I've not thought of it in that way, but that's actually a nice way to start in terms of the systemic approach as well. For me, it's around um, safety is paramount for, for any transportation because that gives confidence, confidence in, in in the mode. And if you look at things like, you know, I've worked across multi-different multi, multi, uh, modes of disciplines. Aviation is probably the most, you know, from an in-flight point of view, they learn, they they pick themselves up um, and they, they, they cross fertilize that knowledge across all the um the competing airlines and, and airports to help improve safety because it's it's paramount to aviation mm. and and once you under we understand that it, it it sort of helps to identify some of the cultures within these um these these transportation modes and that's the starting point then for actually any change program understanding that into under- account exactly and so, start there start from where they, i guess start from their biggest worry right Correct. And their biggest concern, and, and then you then people are more open once you know we've addressed that. That's right. We can still try it in this way. No, it's a really nice way to start. It's really good. And in terms of the kind of private sector, what 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 are firms such as Costain and the private sector in general looking to do, and, and and what things are they doing and investing in to kind of take this whole kind of integrated transport model forward? Um, well, a lot of the private sector has been working on uh, a lot of the transportation networks, and I think the role that we can play a lot better actually is around that cross-sector um, fertilization of knowledge, fertilization of ideas. Um, it, it still amazes me that we, we have a, a lot of people who only work in rail or only work in highways or only work in aviation or light rail. Mm. Uh, and, and actually it's that cross-fertilization of, of people um, that actually will help us to, to move. And that's where the private sector who work with multiple different clients can really help that. Um, and I think the way, so, uh, the way that sometimes we're structured does it, uh, has a constraint, um, even yeah. if it's a invisible constraint around that that collaboration, and we need to you know unlock that in order to to, to progress. But um, yeah, and, and if you look at customers, uh, um, so our our customers tend to focus on you know specific modes. And we need to, you know, they go, oh, I'm going to go take the train or I'm going to, and they make a choice. I'm going to take the train, I'm going to fly, I'm going to drive, et cetera. And we've got to help look at that um, from a, um, and help clients understand well, what drives a, an individual to make that choice. And I think going forward, there's going to be more choice of different modes and we have to enable that. Is it the cost? Is it the time? Um, or is it the experience that people uh, desire most when choosing which mode of transport they want to take? And that will change as well, won't it? Depending on circumstances, oh, well. and all of that kind of stuff. So, 
Yeah, um, I have I have a kids, and I I know that if I, certain modes are more practical than than other modes. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and what role does kind of digital technology play in kind of creating integrated transport and systems? Um. Well, digital technology, um, I mean, that's essential for the way we go. And if you look at the way phones and the people use phones and apps, it, it's essential. But, but we have to be clear on why we're using the, the technology. Um, okay. I mean, digital in itself isn't the, the end. It, we, we shouldn't use it for the sake of using it. We should. Um, but however, if we use it in the right way uh, and we can enhance our decision making, um, having better reliable data, um, we can then make a you know better better decisions, and um, that could be we've we've come a long way with things like digital twins and three D models totally. and digital twins, and that will help us then make decisions on well what infrastructure is needed, what are the uh, the, the modelling of people characteristics, um, what is it the the user needs in terms of the the maintainer, the the operator of the asset, how how do they um, undertake their task, how can we make it more efficient for them. Um, and it's a massive opportunity using digital to help, you know, do things better, keep the asset open longer, mm. better um, minim minimize the impact on local communities. Um, and so that's that's key for us. And if you look at them the way things like situation awareness, um, cameras, for instance, you know, yeah. doorbells now have cameras on them. There's cameras everywhere. But how do we then use cameras and and that and that digital information to improve um how people use the transport so we only have trains running when actually there's people who need them when when do we have you know pods or autonomous cars etc turn up when people need them so um we, it's a great opportunity to help drive efficiencies uh, having having technology but not for technology's sake <laughs> people are still got to be at the heart of any transportation system fantastic and also you've got kind of new i guess new new technology new kind of things like hydrogen coming in for you know decarbonization and those kind of big issues and, and, big, and, and big new ways of doing things i mean how do you feel that's going to play a role in kind of future transport delivery oh for me, hydrogen is a really important. Um, it's a really important part to play um, in it to help the UK reach its net zero ambitions. Um, but we must bear in mind that it's not the silver bullet. Um, likewise, battery is not the silver bullet. You know, we we, we have it's going to be a blend. We've got to stop stop you know that that mindset of it's Sorry. petrol or diesel, doff, and replace it with something else. It's actually yeah. let's look differently. Let's look at energy as a as a source of um, how do we best use it. Um, so if you like cities, batteries are, are fantastic in a rural or long distance. You know that's where the likes of hydrogen come in. Um, we just need to really change that mindset of how we travel, and it's now all about energy, and, and we must think about how we where does the energy come from so yeah. cities batteries are fantastic in a city location right lots of opportunities to charge it lots of grid network and the rural community especially in the southwest you know the the opportunity to roll out large you know grids for people to charge um that's 
not practical and the cost to user ratio is just not viable or yeah. economic for people. So actually a hydrogen based system will be would be more um, better in the southwest. So for instance, if you look at lights goods vehicles, so the heartbeat of the Ford Transit, for instance, um, uh, economy, yeah. where you have uh, drivers going out, you know, three and a half ton vehicles, putting pulling a trailer uh, or a compressor or something, you know, they are currently diesel. They go, they go out. They'll do a few hundred miles, but actually, when they get to their destination, they'll stop. They'll they'll stop and do whatever repair they have to do on the asset. But their their engines will keep running because they they power the electric power tools um, uh, and the lighting needed to actually undertake the task. So the the engines are constantly running in those vehicles. So to have a battery powered vehicle, there's just not the energy demand on those. Um, so, and if you look at somewhere like the Southwest, uh, and you know, 40% of LGVs, bat- battery powered LGVs just w- will not cope. And, and if we say, well, okay, we'll have more LGVs, we'll change the operating model, we'll have more LGVs and, um, we'll put more charging points in and they'll stop every couple of hours to charge. Well, the only person is going to uh, pay for that at the extra cost because of the uh, um, the operating models change, is the mm. consumer. So we just have to look at in the rounds that you're not replacing like for like. It's, well, what is the opportunity in the new world or in a decarbonized world? But what's the opportunity there for vehicles to be, um, what fuel source are they using? So, And that will be different depending on where you're located and things yeah. like that, right? And yeah. so you have to kind of look at it in that kind of regional context as well to kind of give it the right systemic approach, I guess, right? Correct. So for a car, a battery for a car seems practical. Yeah, most of the time a car car sits on people's driveways or garages, whereas mm. the um or in car parks. Whereas like you know, light goods vehicles, heavy goods vehicles are on the road all the time driving. And it's all about how do you maximize the driver's time the, the, on the taco for um so to stop to charge is not actually adding value to the operation. Um so actually a hydrogen fueled vehicle where it might have to stop for five minutes to um to fill up with hydrogen, a gaseous type of um fuel would be more uh, prudent. And why are you, because you're also involved in aviation or you had a background in aviation, what kind of trends are you seeing in the aviation sector in terms of, I guess, addressing the integration challenge and getting close to the other nodes? Uh, well, in, oh, yeah. say <laughs> airports, good question. Airports, I see, um, <laughs> well, they're the role model, really. I mean, they have always been that intermodal transportation networks, yeah, especially the hub airports. Um, yeah. Because they have, you know, trains, they have trams, or they have like sometimes they have transits that go between terminals. They have, um, uh, you know, car parks as well. So they've always been the buses, coaches. So they've always been that um, sort of hub for an integrated modal transport. Um, and they, because of the number of people who work there, the number of people who travel through those 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 airports, they're almost cities within themselves. Yeah. Um, Heathrow is certainly is. Heathrow, <laughs> Manchester, <laughs> you know, um, Gatwick are really important for that local economy, and uh, with so many people who work there. And I think, um, and that in itself then attracts businesses to base themselves near airports for the connectivity. So, um, you know, which then provides local jobs. So. It, 
it's a it's a great approach and a blueprint for other cities to actually you know that intermodal um, customer experience it, it, um, great social value bring it you know recruit uh, local jobs is it, brilliant um, but while aviation is setting the pace on integrated transport um, you know there is the onus on the sector to decarbonize and um, and that's where actually the aviation sector can look elsewhere so yeah. you know let's take some of the industrial i say the so the dirty sectors that, that might, people may refer to the oil and gas industry they have got a wealth of process engineering etc which then could be um, channeled into how to do carbon capture, hydrogen generation, et cetera, et cetera. So you've got the likes of, I mean, Europe's largest integrated transportation client, Transport for London, and, you know, they have been operating hydrogen buses for 20 years. And, you know, airports, I see lots of coaches and buses around airports. So there's a massive opportunity there mm. to, to share some knowledge and some, and some best practice. So, um, and then going forward, you've got, you know, sustainable aviation fuels. So there's going to be an alternative mix there, and um, as they gather pace, so again, great, great opportunities for that. Um, it's a quick question: how do how do the nodes kind of how do they transfer knowledge across them? Do you know what I mean? So how would you know aviation learn from TFL? How's that? Is there a mechanism for that so far, or is it more a kind of? It's all through people. Everything's through people. Yeah. And uh, how do you connect people? And I think we're getting better as a nation of. Yeah. Uh, cross pollination. I think COVID has helped drive a lot of that actually. But I, um, it's, it's like the onus is on the all of us to go out there and seek where have we done this before. Let's just ask. Yeah. My biggest frustration is that you, you 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 talk to one client and they've got a problem, not an issue, and you think, okay, well I'm sure we can find it, find that, and we go back into the business and and other other parts of the business and other clients have had the same problem. I've actually got a solution. Now the solution may not 100% transfer to uh, our mm. clients, my clients' needs, but you know we're now maybe 50 or 40 or 50 or 60 percent um, toward on that journey, and we're not starting with a blank sheet of paper. It frustrates me that. Um, Quite often, our first port of call is a blank sheet of paper and have a workshop and see what we can think of. Whereas, actually, <laughs> it should always be, where has anyone done this before? Yeah. And actually go out and do that research before you come together. Because that actually informs your decision, your your conversation more, doesn't it? Of course. Yeah, go and, go and get their experience to say, actually, what worked for them, what didn't work for them. Yeah. And, and, and then that, again, get the data. And that could help make a better decision. Brilliant. Okay, so final question. So, in an ideal, in your ideal world, what would you see integrated transport infrastructure looking like by twenty thirty five? Which isn't that far anymore. It's, <laughs> it's not. It's years. not. And, it's uh, like, it's like not really anymore, is it? <laughs> well, it's um, there's so much potential, especially with you know decarbonisation. You know, if you look at the road network, that could, could be completely different. If you look at aviation, we could have electric flight, we could have hydrogen um, aircraft, we could have um, electric aircraft with all international flights, sustainable aviation fuel. Who knows? But it, it's um, but for me, it's about making our uh, integrated transport about making our towns and cities work. You know, fully connected decarbonized uh, or the fully integrated transportation system um, yeah. you know, and, I, and I do admire things like what the transport for Greater Manchester are trying to do and, and sort of integrate their transportation network and, and uh, under the, the B network I think 
you know, the more of that we see across multiple cities across the UK and, and larger towns, I mean, that that will just help us, um, you know, have make better, smarter decisions. So, um, I, I mean, I'd love to see car ownership actually um, uh, decline over the next sort of 10, 15 years because that in that integrated public network is available and it may and yeah. that's the best uh, use of it um does that mean that car industry is, is going to disappear no it doesn't it just evolves into something a little bit different and shared ownership etc comes back to my earlier point is as if we have a a integrated connected better connected tra- uh, transportation system the fundamental is going to be safe you know, and i want to make sure that we have a transportation network that's safe for everyone not just yeah. a few it's safe for everyone doesn't matter what time you travel people have got to have got to feel safe and i just think if we plan our transportation network better it's not just about getting you from a to b but it's also about keeping you moving building opportunities as we go keeping you active throughout the day you know people can work as they travel people yeah. suddenly change change but the way we operate so um and uh Ultimately, you know, integrated transport's about improving, improving people's lives um, and driving a positive change, which will benefit society. Oh, great way to end. Thank you so much for coming onto the show, Andy. Oh, thank you. Thanks for listening to Interchange. And remember, it's not just a podcast, Interchange is much more. It's also a two-day major exhibition and conference taking place on February the 27th and 28th in Manchester Central. Head to www.interchange-uk.com to find out more.